0: Welcome to Learning with Lowell. I'm your host Lowell Thompson. We cover biotech and science-related topics on the show, such as startups working on antibiotic drugs or colon cancer, to venture capitalists talking about funding and how that works, to people talking about how they and you could found a science-backed startup. Two, and this is one of my favorite parts: people talking about science-specific science-related topics, such as whales or protein engineering. You're really going to get a lot. Of- and it's all going to be about science on this podcast. There are two main episode types. One, the case study where one or a group of people talk about what they did, and you can kind of get a sense of how you could do it as well. To the second type, which is a group talking around a theme such as citric greening, which is coming up soon, or neurodegenerative disorders, which I'm also working on. Please sign up for our newsletter to get a Other resources and outside podcast content from Guests My Own Research, which comes out every Monday. Join us every Tuesday for new podcast releases and check out the website every Thursday for something new. You can find us at at here on Twitter, Facebook, and my website learningwithlowell.com. And don't forget to subscribe, tell your friends and leave a review. It takes Really only 10 seconds for you to do any of those things, which helps me and my guests create great content because it gives us feedback, lets other people know about it, and the more people will know about science and support it, the better everything is. Today we're joined with Adora, a partner at Y Combinator, founder of Homejoy, and we talk about y Bio, her passions, the future that she's working towards, the things that interest her, blockchain, and quite a few things. There are 21 different timestamp show notes in the notes on the website at learningwithloal.com, if you want to check those out, you can navigate it at will. Learn about kind of what's driving her and the next stage of her life as a partner at Y Combinator. It's a really fun discussion, and I think a lot of you are going to enjoy it as well. As a partner at Y Combinator, I, am, I imagine you get like a lot of like solicitations, like people asking things of you because you have a lot of like responsibility and influence. And so I wonder, like, to what extent does that color how you talk to people? Where, because I imagine if if I was in a similar situation at a certain at a certain point, I'd be like, "Oh, is this person just trying to get something from me, or are they actually caring about me as a person?" And so I I, I think that'd be like the first question I'd ask is like, "To what extent does that happen to you, and like, how do you stop it or uh, account for it?"
1: Um, I you know it's funny I don't. I think people who reach out to me are more actually of the of the latter, which is um, just either one want to know more about YC, um, and how how it fits in, you know uh, how how it fits into their business, um, or into what they're working on at the moment. Um I want to think of times where yeah, I honestly I don't know, I feel like this is not a great answer, but um, I don't think I've run into situations of the former, um, and maybe I just do a good job of filtering people I interact with, <laughs> or um, uh, I'm not the—I guess I'm not the target um, for any of that kind of stuff. But
0: well, it's, it's a good thing. Like, the world yeah. is much more positive than I realized because I just—I just think like, oh, if that was me, someone would try and poke me and try and get something from me. But that's good that no one does yeah. that to you. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think um, when people approach me and you know they you know I they ask for funding or things like that you know I just try to dig and see what they really want um, and often you know often people who come off as splash or um, just seemingly coming after you they have some other thing they have in mind um, and they just went about about it in the wrong way um, so yeah it's just about having. I'm guiding them, to, like, I guess, to, like, maybe the question they really have or what they really want.
0: Which I think is called burying the lead, right? Like, we in
1: uh, I was going to say, that's the, you know, I often get, actually, lots of long emails about what someone's working on, um, and, um, and then, like, but no question. It's just, like, you know, here's what I'm working on, um, because and often my reply back is because so I really want to know what they're working on. but It's just so hard in a wall of text to figure it out. Um, and so actually this goes for most startups. One of the hardest things to do is figure out how, how do you say what you're doing in one or two sentences? Um, or how do you ask for what you want in just like one or two sentences? Um, and this is actually not an easy exercise, especially if you've been working on something for many months or even years just show in the details all the time that zooming out is a a difficult task Um, and so even at YC like one of the things that we work on throughout the three month program that we have is trying to distill the essence of what you're doing into like one or two sentences so that someone can immediately grasp um, on it.
0: I found that like that it's really hard to like you're saying to introspect and be able to like dis- describe things, and one of the things that helps me to be interesting to see if this like resonates with advice you've given people is that, like, whenever I-, I talk to people and like I or like when people talk, I always wonder like like what you what you said earlier. Like when people say things, and that's not what they're they're actually trying to say, but in saying the thing that they didn't want to say, they basically color that they colored the situation so that the person is primed for something else. So then I, I always try to think what do I want that person to think in regards to what I'm saying? And then work backwards. Because then, like, if you know what the end result is, which is, like, you want this person to like what you're saying and to get, the, like, the features and the benefit, then, like, working from there, I feel, would be much easier than trying to impart and distill all that you know concisely, like like work from the user backwards almost. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think bring bleed is, like, the perfect phrase for it. Just sum it all up.
0: Mm -hmm. All right, well, that's a a very positive way to start the interview. I thought, I was like, oh, that would be a very thought-provoking question. So what are, like, the key things that you, like, as a partner at YC, what are the key things that you do that, or the key things that you think about in regards to success in the sense that, like, like, what do you do? (laughs) And then, yeah, how do you filter it down? Yeah, if that made sense. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, it makes sense. Um, so what I do, so my days are very different. Um, so we have, during, YC is, is known for its three-month program in which people come in, um, in two, there are two batches a year, so one runs from January to March, and actually our demo day just was yesterday um, for, for that batch. And then we have one from June, summer one, from June to August. And so in those six months in total, what I'm often doing is working with the companies in the batch, in the current batch. Um, I do individual officers. Uh, We also do group officers, in which it's like a mini, um, it's like a mini board meeting in which you have like six or seven, up to eight other companies, which are similar to what you're working on in terms of size and um, category. And you talk, you basically go over, we go over things like, uh, what were your goals for the last two weeks? Um, um, Did you make them if you didn't? um That's fine. Like, why do you know why you didn't make them? Um, what are the obstacles? What can everybody in this group um, help you with? It's sort of just—it's—it's it's like a—it's like a mini board meeting, but it also can be like a mini therapy session as well. Um, and you know, one of the common misunderstandings um, I think of of people from it, from people looking outside in is thinking like everything in a startup is looks great and it's going, you know, going up into the right and everything must be perfect. But in reality, even at those startups that are growing very fast, everything's just like, everything's falling falling, falling apart is is, is the wrong phrase, but you you know what I mean? Like everything is, there's always something bad going on or something wrong going on. Um, And so it's always good to have a community of people um, to talk to about these things. And um, so, so anyway, we 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 have those group office hour sections. Um, we have weekly dinners. We have um, weekly speaking engagements. And um, and then outside of the six months, what I'm frequently doing is um, I'm often doing. I love researching and learning about new things. Um, and so there's always something that I think is up and coming and um, could be you know the next big thing. Um, so I need to always be on top of that stuff. And um, I'm always doing recruiting, um, looking for um, people outside of Silicon Valley in particular um, who would be a great fit for YC. And so we often do um, recruiting tours um, to colleges and just other cities and other countries as well. We've been to India, China, uh, Europe, a bunch of places um, and everything. And get people into the into our own ecosystem and make it even better.
0: Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that I I noted and loved when I was doing my my uh, my preliminary research on you for, for this talk, is that like how often you would be in a different place looking for people. So it's it's not just you know like Silicon Valley. It's not just America. We have you know all of humanity to pull from, and like it kind of it raises the tide in a sense that so, like when the when the tide raises like it, it helps everyone.
1: Yeah, I think one of the cool things about YC is it was initially built for outsiders, right? Like I think twelve, thirteen years ago, Paul Graham, Jessica Livingston, like the the new thing that they put out back then was just this online application. Before to get funding, you'd have to know certain people, um, and you'd have to be, you know, you, you'd have to know investors or know someone who knew an investor, and and back then, for many engineers who were building, who could build these great products. Um, they didn't know those people. And by just putting, by simply putting on up the application, it solved a lot of those problems. Um, and so that was their way, YC was an original way to pack around the system of funding um, for outsiders. And so we try to keep that ethos today in the sense that um, obviously I love to work with entrepreneurs who are already in Silicon Valley, but what more interesting to me is finding people who are not here already, here as in, in San Francisco and the Bay Area um, and who do not have access to what we have access to here um, and to bring them here and um, have them experience what Silicon Valley is and whether they stay or not it's, it's, um, it's, you know, it's up for them but is to get the opportunity and and so that's why we we go out and do all those those tours because we can't do it from like sitting in our chair in San Francisco.
0: Yeah, no. Like, there's the a lot of the advice I, I've I've noticed from other people is that it's it it pays to be able to meet people because like you get a, a much like we were not designed to like talk through uh, screens. So like being able to like get like that face to face is really key. Uh, what mm-hmm. I imagine bringing someone to the Silicon Valley and then like seeing the change would is probably really rewarding. Like how has there been anyone that has had like a really like, like almost night and day big growth from it and like gained a lot that like you always think about that like makes you proud?
1: Oh, there's so many examples. Like I'm trying to think if there's one that sticks out of my mind. I mean, for example, in our last batch, 34, I think it was 35% of our founders were international. Um, and so, just we never even here before. And I think the common thing that almost everyone says is just um, it's just getting that the feeling that there's like a huge density or is that the right word? It's like there's a there's a high density of um, entrepreneurial people here, and to have it all around you um, that doesn't exist anywhere else. And, and what most people say when they go through YC is like it's the most productive three months of their lives um, because not only are you in Silicon Valley, but you're surrounded by people exactly like yourself, like just running really hard, um, building, 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 trying to get users, talking to users. Um, and every week you're just coming back once a week together to show off like what you've accomplished. Um, and so you're always trying to, you know, stay at pace with everybody else. And, um, and it's, it's, when you go through the three months, even myself as a partner there, um, going through three months, it, it seems like week to week it's going it's slow, but when you look at the diff from, you know, the last week to the first week, there's always a huge difference. Like people have built amazing things, um, over the period and have achieved amazing growth, um, and stuff like that. And, and so it's always rewarding to see that
0: yeah i can i can only imagine because especially when it comes to like noticing growth i think it's really hard for people to notice their changes over time and so having like that kind of like program where you, you can like have someone on the outside like assess it, it probably probably is like a a good like litmus test for that um does anyone say thank you like does anyone is like hey adora thank you for taking like a chance on me or like show appreciation
1: yeah, a lot of people do. I think after the batch ends and when things quiet down and um, and people finish fundraising, um, we definitely get some shout outs from people. But um, um, it's, we're not looking for the thanks. we're just we just want all these all these founders to do well, um, and it's always inspiring to watch them.
0: But I I understand. I always think it's good to show appreciation. You know what I mean? Like, there's like yeah. a limited amount of resources in the world. Like, there's infinite possibilities, yeah. limited things to do. So, like, the what people choose to do is always really significant. Um, yeah. you, you mentioned earlier that you do a lot of research. What are some things that you're researching now that are, like, kind of catching your eye?
1: a good question. So, I'm just starting to actually um, learn more about uh, molecular, molecular biology. I actually got this huge textbook that I'm reading. Um, and so... My my background is not in life sciences at all, um, but uh, we're starting to fund more biotech companies, um, and we we have biotech experts at, at YC, um, but it's something that interests me a lot. Um, the other what are other things I I do did, did these like um, quote unquote research vacations where I'll find a topic, and I'll just I'll just like not leave my apartment for a week or two <laughs> well i do I go, I go i walk around um to get some exercise but i'll just just start researching something and get and just go down the rabbit hole of something um and re- learn something really deep until i figure it out or i feel like i have a good understanding of stuff um and um and you come out of that um and with, with just a better well in general understanding of stuff um, lot of things. So, bio. Um, I mean, we're, the the YC bio thing is very focused on uh, longevity, health span, um, anti-aging stuff. Uh, so, starting to look into that, I think that's interesting. Um, obviously, there's a lot of stuff going on crypto and blockchain. Um, that's interesting, and um, Blockchain is an interesting thing because it's one of the things that everybody's everybody's like it's the future, which I actually believe too. Um, but it's just that we haven't figured out the right applications of what the future is with blockchain. Um, and so I think I think will um, be it's always good to do more research on that um, to see what's there. Um, and the other categories are voice apps. So, I also, voice apps is like blockchain in the sense that everyone says voice well, is the future, um, but we haven't seen any great voice apps being developed yet um, outside of like the hardware stuff, like, uh, um, excuse me, the voice assistants like Alexa and Siri um, and Google Home. Uh, I think part part of it is because, um, in regard to voice, part of it is because the platforms are very restrictive, so it's hard for developers to build on top of it um, when you can't you know, easily acquire users or even do things like push notifications and stuff like that to them Um, or just notifications in general. Uh, But um, it is a new type of interface that's interesting in that there are are all these devices now in all our homes and or we're just carrying them around with us on our phones. Um, And if you see children use these devices, it's even more interesting because it's like they're dealing, you know, for you and I, we might have not grown up with this kind of stuff, uh, so to talk to it is a little bit hard. Um, it's not—at least to me—it's not natural. Uh, but for kids who are growing up with it, it's like the next—you know—it's—it's it's like the generation for us they grew up with, you know, laptops or tablets, and so they're really using that. And now they're growing up with um, a bunch of these Alexa's. Um So it's always interesting to see kids, almost to some extent, think of these devices as like another person. Um, and so, so anyway, I, I think there's. Something interesting there to be built, um, but no one has built anything great yet. Um, and then the another one um, is brick and mortar, um, so retail in particular. So, so uh, as we all know, you know, just you know, the offline brick and mortar stores are sort of dying um, in the sense that you know people are buying more things online, um, and so those brick and mortar stores, those businesses, need to figure out a way of how to integrate. You know, you know the online aspect. Um, and then on the flip side, pure pure play online plays have now started um, finding uh, their cap in terms of acquisition and growth strategies online. And so they've been moving offline into stores. And so you see this a lot with um, things like uh, the notes, uh Warby Parker, truck all these all these TBG uh, companies are moving into storage to get more foot traffic to get you know more users um, and there's a strange culture clash going on between these two um, pieces and so I think there's something to be done there and so I've been doing a lot of research into what current companies are working on um, and what I think what the new new startups are working on so we funded a startup called uh, bulletland and they're basically, quote unquote, like we work for retail. And so they'll basically work with um, products, brands, and products to showcase items in their store. And so it's like a mini department store in the sense that you get a little bit of shelf space over here to showcase your products. Um, and then each store is themed. And so in the store, you can see, you know, I don't know how many products they have, how many excuse they have actually in the store. But essentially, you go there, it's a the theme store, it's for. Females, for example, female empowerment. And so there's a lot of products around that category. And, um, and, and yeah, and so it allows these, uh, you know, before you'd have, if you were uh, going to build, or sorry, if you were going to make a product, like a, a hardware, a physical product, you'd have to go to the manufacturer, run these lines, and then you have to go figure out the marketing yourself. Um, and now there are just these other ways you can do it online and offline. Um, so anyway, I'm rambling here, but I, I think there's a lot to do in in retail and in the intersection of online and brick and mortar. Um, and we haven't seen we, we haven't seen what what it could be yet, um, but but also
0: yeah, yeah, no, definitely the, the the transition to yeah, I've, I've noticed it as well. Like Amazon's starting to make stores, and some stores are going online. I think. I think it really comes down to like the experience, but at the same time, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know those things. I I did have a, a couple of well, when you when you mentioned the the t- the like kids interacting with technology, um, it's it's interesting to think that like nowadays, but when I was in undergrad, there was uh, we talked about how like uh, children with autism like they 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 struggle looking people in the eyes for a variety of reasons, and but they can use like tablets like can like interact with tablets so then like it kind of offsets the the learning uh difficulties that they tend to have so it's it's interesting to think just how much like technologies and like improving people like children's lives especially like i didn't have internet until i was like 14 <laughs> so like it's a, it's a it's a big big uh big difference and i think i think i was reading recently that someone was saying that if like 20 years from now like this will this time will be kind of like uh, like a version of the Renaissance, because like, what was the Renaissance other than having lots of time and the ability to communicate with people, like paper and stuff? So, mm-hmm. so it'll be really interesting yeah. to see, like, what the first generation with like complete technology does. Um, yeah, there's a lot
1: of, I mean, AI is. Oh, sorry. Uh, I was just gonna add AI. Um, obviously, is a huge, huge, huge trend now, and um, there's a lot of impactful work going on there. Um, and what it, oh. In terms of voice, in terms of voice stuff, I think another um, variant of this, and actually it was just a startup that just launched a few weeks ago, it's called Piccolo, but what they do is they're a smart um, camera for the home. And so, you know how when you, hopefully I don't have an Alexa here so it just turns on randomly, but when you want to say, like, hey Alexa, um, turn on the lights. You know, that's a lot of people use that the whole automation stuff. And so, but what the, what, what Piccolo does is they have a camera in the in the home, and oh look, well, okay. my Alexa just turned on. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, and so the, the camera is in the home, and it and basically you can just point to the light. And it's a vision assistant, so you can point to the light, you can point to the TV, it turns on, and it it can um, you can move your uh, hands up and down, and it'll, while you're looking at the TV, and it will turn the volume up and down. Uh, and so this platform as you can imagine they haven't shipped the camera yet but once they ship developers can build on top of the platform and and it's not just for home automation stuff but the camera can be used for things like you know detecting if someone has fallen or not um, it can detect you know if you have your if you well, if you can't find your keys somewhere it can probably find that maybe faster than you can for um, all the things uh, it can be like a exercise guide, so um, maybe you're doing jumping backs, you're doing push-ups, and you can watch your form, um, and so um, just this, a lot of stuff in computer vision and machine learning um, has come a long way, um, and so I think um, besides work, there's other technologies or other UXs that we'll see um, to just allow, you know, allow you to have a better life um, in general, um, but, but we'll see, yeah, a lot of cool stuff coming up.
0: That's really interesting. I didn't I didn't know any, I, didn't, I have... I have not heard of that, um, before. I think it'd be really good with like monitoring old people and you can kind of like see if they're having a stroke or something and get them help earlier. That'd be kind of neat. Yeah.
1: yeah. Cause the one thing about, um, I mean, for voice and vision assistance, uh, it's nice for older people because they, you know, it's harder for them to get up and so they can just, you know, command, command something to be done. Um, But the thing, the difference between voice and vision is that um, voice right now, at least in where they can't tell, well, obviously they can't even see you, but they can't tell like who the person in the room is. And so there's even less personalization there. Um, But with the vision assistant, with this Piccolo lab, um, Piccolo camera, it can, yeah, it can detect if you've fallen or, you know, if you had a stroke or something like that. Um, And so it would be good for, it would be good. there, there are so many applications. You could even do it. You can put it use it as a baby monitor too, as well. So on the other end of the spectrum, you can you can detect if if your if your baby's doing something that it shouldn't be doing or it's falling
0: to, as well. It sounds really fascinating. I can definitely see how that. I was just sitting there as you were talking, thinking like, "Oh, that'd be really good in, in, in like banks, so you could alert someone when there's someone trying to rob it." That you could do it over here. It's like, like I guess this would be interesting to see how it's developed over the next couple of years. So we kind of. T- I had, I had two questions. One of them like I don't know question and one of them a uh, clarification question before we move on to another topic. The what was the book and I think it was microbiology that you were reading. You said that you had like a big book.
1: Oh yeah, it's called it's the it's called molecular biology of the cell.
0: Okay, so like a, a like a survey of like like a textbook. Oh, it's just a textbook.
1: It's a really large textbook. (laughs) It's over a thousand pages. Yeah, Um, yeah. I actually, I'm a huge fan. uh, People think this is odd, but I'm a huge, huge fan of textbooks um, because you just get right straight to the point, and you learn the. The key in learning, I think, is learning the fundamentals, and that's often the hardest. Um, But I just remember the reason why I read textbooks is because I remember learning calculus in high school or somewhere around there and I just wrote it was just wrote memorization of stuff and then when I got to college what I realized was like I don't understand what any of this calculus (laughs) does um and so I went back and then learned all like the basic fundamentals and axioms and all that stuff um and then I realized what the applications could be and why it was so useful um and so yeah just getting good grades is not um it, it's actually you know you might as well it's better to just get teased and just learn the fundamentals instead um and then that stuff will actually be useful to you use down the road
0: mm-hmm. yeah definitely i i don't think it's weird I, i'm also a textbook person is like <laughs> not a textbook person um but a person who enjoys reading textbooks i'm i'm teaching myself calculus right now so it's 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 awesome. yeah especially since textbooks are are essentially designed to be self taught like the instructors just kind of there to answer questions if you if like for people who are in college like if you ever noticed like most of the stuff just comes from the textbook anyway, so if you like read ahead then yep. you kind of learn already um yep. yeah yeah and then the the second clarification question, and if this is like really obvious, we can skip it, but what is blockchain i' have been re- I've been hearing a lot of it, about it in the news, but I haven't like taken the time to look into it, so I don't know what it is what is that
1: yeah so it's a lot of things, but um, like what's really popular today is um, stuff that's being built on. So blockchain is just a technology, um, and it's a storage mechanism of some sorts. Um, and so what's been built on top of that, people are talking about a lot today is crypto, cryptocurrency. We lost, we actually lost word crypto, but um, crypto, cryptocurrency like Bitcoin, um, Ethereum, and and. Yeah, all, all these sorts of um, stuff. And so, so what's going on right now is two things. One is um, the cryptocurrency chase itself. So people are buying and selling, trading like mad and making lots of money off of it. There have been, I've met people who I personally um, don't invest in cryptocurrency. Um, not, that, not that I think I should, um, um, only because I, I don't want to be sucked in. Tucked into it, because <laughs> if you sit there um, trading all this stuff, you can really, really sucked into it. Um, but there's plenty of people that set up hedge funds for this stuff, or um, just doing it personally themselves, and they've made millions and millions of dollars off of doing it, um, which is good for them. If you, if you got in on Bitcoin, um, like in like pre 2015 to the pre 2014, like you're probably doing pretty good if you sold. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I think that's what everyone's talking about these days. Um, I think, you know, the idea of blockchain is that you can have a decentralized network um, that no one owns, and so you don't have the central authority that um, controls everything over, any, over 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 anything in general. Um, and so this is exciting, especially um, in countries uh, – well, if, if, shouldn't I shouldn't – I shouldn't say certain countries, but I think it's just exciting in general to think about um, the prospects of, of um, nobody in, in some sense owning, owning, owning anything and it's just, um, it's just available on the network. So um, uh, in, in terms of like applications for it, I think that some of the interesting things I've seen is, is obviously the cryptocurrency stuff, um, but there's also stuff like um, physical assets um, that can put you know the, 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 uh, sorry physical assets like things that actually have value that are being put on the blockchain as well. Um, that makes sense to me, uh, but we'll see. And there's like I said, there's I'm I'm still learning this today myself. Like even the basic stuff, um, and I've actually uh, I've actually taken myself tasks in the next month or so to just write. Um, to hack on something, um, probably on um, the Ethereum, uh, using Ethereum stuff um, to just see, like the best way to learn this stuff is I think just to like build something on it. Um, and so that's what I'm gonna be doing. So if you ask me in like, I think two months, I'll have like a lot of things to talk to you about <laughs> on this stuff. Um, but but I, I think the most interesting, like the, the way to get into it, I think is to look into Bitcoin um, and And, uh, and, and I think, I think what's most interesting is people from countries where, um, the centralized authority has, has overstepped its power or you know, the currency, um, like the currency has inflated so much that it's unusable, things like that. Like these can be all prevented, um, or got around with, with these blockchain.
0: Makes sense. Kind of like a, a uh, in those countries, kind of like an alternative, like uh, pre World War no, pre World War Two Germany, where like they had to like take buckets of money just to get bread. It's like an alternative to yeah. that, which is yeah. cumbersome, to say the least.
1: Well, I mean, yeah. And, and just to go back, like the, the basic. Um, I'm trying to, this is one of the things I, I think I haven't learned enough to distill it um, to someone um, who, who who hasn't um, read about it yet, but. It, like the, the idea of blockchain is like there's this um, distributed ledger and then you can just record any transactions between um, two parties, and it's stored and it's stored in the in this blockchain, and that can be seen by everybody. Um, and and so that's the reason for this whole um, decentralized um, effort here, where it's you're you're, you're not depending on one person or one entity to tell you the truth, the truth is everywhere, if
0: that makes sense. Makes sense. I appreciate you taking the time to explain it. I wish I would have looked it up before.
1: No, no, no worries. No, we can have another chat about it later. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's fascinating.
0: For people who aren't aware that like there was like success was not like an overnight thing for you. <laughs> it was like you worked really, really hard. And I think at one point in time, you you said that there's like the dark, dark ages of how like after you got your first funding, it was really negative. So I was just, I was curious when you first got a bit of success, how did you treat yourself? Like, how did you treat your, like, you know, like when, um like when Elon Musk, he sold PayPal, I think, or, or something like that. He bought himself like a really fast car and then broke it. Like, do you, <laughs> did you treat yourself anything like that?
1: No. Um <laughs> I, you know, I am actually a fairly. It was actually hard for me to. Um, well, let me let me back up here. I, I'm not. I'm a very simple person. Um, like I don't actually own many things. Like I don't own own a car. I don't own a home. Um, um, I just need like a nice place to just put myself where I can sleep and, and work out of, um, and that's all I really need out of life, I think. Um, and so yeah, I. I think for me, I um, apologize, I already forgot the question. I just
0: <laughs> The question was, did you treat yourself?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, no, not at all. Um, actually, I think one of the, another misunderstanding of, of being a founder is if you raise a lot of money, um, you actually get a lot of money. Um, but the, the truth is, is that I, throughout my own startup, I paid myself very, very little and I never gave myself raises, um, because I always thought the money could be better off used um, either hiring someone else or, or using a business. Um, and so, and honestly, I had, I had no, uh, I had, I had no opportunity to treat myself, I guess. Um, but, but in any case, like I said, I, I'm a very simple person, so it's not like I, I, um, I regret not having the ability to treat myself.
0: That's fair. Um, it's, I guess it's a good thing, you know, there's, like, that quote, like, the, be careful what you own, because in the end, they end up owning you, so, like, it's, like, yeah. which I get, like, I've moved around a little bit, so, like, having to move stuff with you, like, I, I get it now, like, I don't want a lot of things, <laughs> so, so, yeah. I, so, I get what you're saying.
1: It's it's nice, I can move apartments very easily, because I just get up and go, <laughs> um, and, um, I, I also moved, uh, when I was younger, I I think I probably got this from just, I moved every couple of years, um. And to a completely new place. And so I think I just got used to just not having stuff in general.
0: Well, it's nice, too, because then you don't have to, like, clean or, like, organize too many things. Like, I'm the yeah. same I'm the same way. I keep everything in, like, three totes. And then my, my girlfriend yeah. has the rest of the apartment. <laughs> <laughs> That's awkward for you. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, fun question. When... So for people who, so for people who want to be supportive or get involved in like, Y Combinator type stuff, is there a way for them to do that? Is there like, other than like you guys put out a, a, a lot of content, like I, I really like that. But uh, other than consuming the content and sharing the content, is there a way for people who are like, oh, I like early stage stuff, but I don't have a company idea? Is there like any other avenue for people to be helpful and valuable? Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I tell people that if you don't have an idea um, to work on yourself, is you should go and join someone who does, um, and yeah, just go work at a startup. Um, so we, we actually have we we launched this new thing called uh, WorkCore Startups. It's com. and um, it's only for like software engineers right now. Um, but basically, you apply. It's a common application for all the for all the engineering jobs that any YP startup you um, apply, and then you say what you're interested in, and then uh, and then the founders of the other companies will contact you if it makes sense. And so that's one avenue to do it. Um, but in general, there are a lot of other job boards out there where it's pretty straightforward. Um, I guess if you're an engineer or marketing, if, if you're a marketer or you're a product person, um, to find a job, and I, I, I think that's, I think that's always um, the best way to contribute back to the ecosystem. It's, ecosystem is just to be part of it um, and, and to figure out how it works, and then find your way to, you know, what are you better at? Uh, like, what position are you better at? Um, you, you know, there, there are so many things to do um, in, in startups, whether it's investing or whether it's um, working at startup building. Um, yeah, there's so much to do.
0: I'm reading a book by Brad Feld called the Venture Deal, and he talks about how uh and it's okay, you can correct me if this is wrong, but he talks about how the like partners are the people who like make the deals and there's people underneath them called associates who kind of like hunt out to find people is that s- is there is that a similar like setup at Y Combinator or is it like the applications come in and you guys don't do a lot of hunting like that's like a two part question
1: yeah so. Uh, the partner and associate setup is is generally for bigger firms who have um, and uh, for venture capitalist firms who do like Series A and above deals. Um, and the reason why they need associates is because um, they can only do so many deals a year, and 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 uh, and so they, they they need more people, I think, probably to go hunt for stuff um, than just the partners themselves. Because um, the partners have to spend a lot of time just doing the evaluation and stuff like that. Um, for us at YC, we don't have associates. We have partners, and then we have um, other staff and employees who do things on our operations. We have a software team. Um, but we're very software-focused in the sense that while we do go do recruiting trips, we um, pull and go and hunt for people, um, the application itself, like everybody has to apply for the application um, there's no way to get around that um, and it allows us to standardize a lot of um, a lot of stuff on the back end um, in terms of you know we have a way to read applications um, we have our own interview process and it and it and it's pretty quick um, I don't think the way we do things uh, so just to back up for people who don't know um, how we work is you apply online at apply.myprimary.com. There's like a dozen or so questions, um, which are actually, what I tell people, or even if you're not going to apply, just answer those questions because if you're going to go get funding or um, if you're trying to run a business, just being able to answer those questions are um, are very good for you. Um, and then if you get accepted, to, if you get um, past the next stage, it's the interview stage. And the interview stage is literally just we fly into Mountain View, California, where our office is and you do a 10-minute interview with three to four partners, and that's it. And then we make a decision at that point. Um, As far as I know no other firm does this, nor what I suggest it for any other firm that does it, Um, but this has been a process that works very well with us. And the reason why it works is because we're mostly just focused on the founders themselves and their ability, um, the the founders themselves, and do we think that they're the right type of founders for for YC, um, do you think that they're, you know, when there's an obstacle, are they, you know, are they going to run away or are they going to just drive right through it and figure, you know, figure stuff out? Um, do they know how to communicate their idea um, correctly and uh, not correctly, but do they know how to communicate their idea well? Um, just a bunch of these things, and we've we've been able to distill it into a certain process that works for us. So um, anyway, that's one way of saying that uh, we have we have partners and the partners do all the reading. Um, we read all the applications and we do all the interviews ourselves, and it's a lot of work. <laughs> um, but um, I think I think we it's something that um, that is helpful to us um, because ultimately we, we make the we make the final decisions who we fund. Um, so we, we we just think we should be part of the entire process.
0: Are there key things that you tend to pay attention to, like you specifically over Y Combinator, like that you tend to? Like when you're going through the process of meeting people and looking at their applications that kind of tell you, like, this person, this person's got, you know, in the way that I view things got has potential because of A, B, and C. Like, do you, do you have things like that? Or do you, I, I know why Air has stuff like that, but I, I, I couldn't find anything on you.
1: And then when I'm evaluating uh, somebody?
0: Yeah, like, how do you, yeah, basically, like, what are the key ways you evaluate? And then, like, what are the ones that are important to you? Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the question.
1: Um, that's a good question. So it's probably hard to distill into just three or four things, but when I meet somebody, I just want to have a conversation. Um, and, and when they talk about, about their idea in particular, um, and I think, I think two things. One is their ability to communicate the idea back to me so that I actually understand it if someone can do that really well like that's an indication of that they really know their stuff and the reason why I think that is because most people are working on very complex things um and so when you're working on complex things it actually goes back to our um oh my god there's just so much in the details um but but when you're working on complex things it's actually quite hard to just tell it simply like um And you have to know a ton about something to be able to say something in very simple terms, um, so that's understandable. So if someone's able to do that, um, I think that's a very good sign. Um, And then, and the other thing is just being able to tell me, you know, and also, also, um, there's a level. um, And also, when you talk to somebody, you can pretty much gauge how. How much they love what they're working on, or how much how passionate they are about something. And it's not that I'm looking for energy levels like off the chain, off the roof, like energy levels. I'm just I'm just looking for just like how they talk about the idea, who they've talked to, have they talked to a ton of users already? What's been the feedback? How do they you know what is their feedback mechanism in particular, and how do they respond to either negative or positive feedback? Um, a lot. of... About themselves, but also obviously more so on the on the idea itself. Um, and then I also like to hear, okay, what are you working on today? Um, and what are your next one or two things that are going to get, you know, that, you, that you're working on, that you're trying to accomplish? And then also, like if you zoom out, like for five, ten years from now, how does this become like a huge billion dollar, ten billion, hundred billion dollar company? Um, what is that? And what I'm not looking for is like the whole roadmap. No one's going to know the whole roadmap <laughs> to how it becomes like such a huge company. But it's all the it, really great founders have something in their mind already about what the future looks like. Um, so if they're able to describe to me what that future is and why their product or what they're building fits into that future, or why or how it's going to transform the way we live or the way we work or whatever we do in the future, um, I think that's that to me is important as well. Um, and, and, it, and like I said, I don't, am definitely not looking for, I think if someone had brought to me a detailed roadmap of what that looks like, I would have said, like, you're spending way too much time, like, not working on the right things. Um, but, you know, knowing the building blocks of the huge building blocks of, of how to get from, you know, from here to there um, is, is, is good to know. And, and also, like, that, like a lot of people, they have, they have ideas and they don't know how big it can be. And that's totally okay too. But that's also a conversation I love having, which is like, oh, this is one idea that's actually working right now. Here's your beachhead. Um, here's where this could possibly go. And just having that brainstorming session is always fun too as well. Um, but, but at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're always looking for me, we're looking for founders who, like you said, are nice, like, you know, you know, we're not. I, I, I don't think. Well, I see is at a point where I, I don't think we need to be taking accepting founders who are, for lack of better words, like just are jackasses. Like maybe they can build a billion dollar company, but if they're a jackass, like we don't we don't want them part of our community. Um, like there's more than enough nice people around who will become, you know, who will build billion dollar businesses, and um, we we don't need to lower our standards from that perspective. Um, so just overall, you know, people who, who can take feedback, who aren't, who don't, you know, who who will push back on feedback, um, but aren't overly sensitive. Um, people who um, are formidable. People who communicate well. Um, and most of all, just people who ha- show that they they work. Like, as in, they they you know and that they can build and they'll just get to it and just build and build and build. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's, that was a little long winded answer there, but, um, those are all the things that like are in my mind, I guess, when I, when I talk to people. Well, it
0: would, it would, it would have to be long, you know, long-winded because it's something that you do think about, you know, like just like as you are saying earlier, like it's, it's difficult to say concisely that which you spend a lot of time thinking about, but you still did, you know, say it in like two minutes. So it's, it's, it's all good. <laughs> as, as Mark Twain uh, once said I'm sorry for the long letter I didn't have time to write you a short one so I mean like this is all off yes. the fly
1: I love that quote um, I'm going to feel that now yeah I
0: love that <laughs> yeah Mark Twain has a bunch of those like he's very topical like even though you know he's like 200 years old at this point um, so jumping to <laughs> jumping to things so we, we, this gets covered so Y Combinator has invented uh, not invented uh, invested. There you go, lol. In biotech companies in the past, but you are now coming out with like a new bio program, and so I'm curious, what what's what's the difference between like the normal, like the normal way you guys do it, and then like this new way? Is it just like the focus on biotech specifically, or is there like a new way you guys go about it as well?
1: Yeah, it's just the so the Bio is just a new way for us to fund um, really early stage bio and life, life, life sciences companies that are, um, that are in the lab phase, I guess, if you if that's the correct way of putting it. Um, and so, um, and, we're, and we're actually just really focused on health and age-related diseases, diseases um, or startups working on that kind of stuff. Um, just because we think there's a ton of opportunity there. We want to be focused. It's always, that's other thing, um, relating back to uh well, you look at founders, there's founders who are really focused. Um, there might be 20 things to do, but just focus on the one thing that really matters. Um, and so, anyway, so we think there's a ton of opportunity here, and it's underfunded, and if someone can solve something or anything in this, in this area, it'd be huge. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think I think there's two things. One is there are actually a lot of biotech companies or bio companies in general, Um who would be better off actually just going through the regular program? I, I would, I would think, probably the majority. Um, just because it's three months, it's less dilutive, and you and you get to demo day and you can present. Um, and so you're at that stage of of funding where um, you know you're you're ready to go. Um, like you have a go-to-market strategy. Maybe you're a human trial, like you're doing trials already and stuff like that. And it's less research and more just going to market and getting FDA approval and stuff like that. Um, and so for those kind of companies, I think it's actually better to go through a core program because it's built for that. Um, and, um, but, but, but basically, there are a set of other people working on um, things, whether they just graduated from school or they're um, finishing up the postdoc or you know, they were trying to get their PhD, like, decided academia is not for them but they are working on something that looks promising and they just need a little bit more time. Um, and, it, and maybe it's not, it's not ready to be... Um, we, we don't know what the business exactly is going to be, um, but, um, but we're still working on, like, is the science real? Is this, does this work? Um, and do you need a lot of space to do it? Um, before, I think a lot of people would have to go, like, stay in school. Uh, for the lab space, or um, um, and, and now we think that there's an opportunity um, for us to fund those those types of people um, who are, like I said, not not looking to stay in academia. Like I think if you're going to go to academia, you should just stay in school um, and go down that route. Uh, but this is for people who want to work on something and eventually commercialize it, um, and we think that we can be a starting point for those people.
0: I always think is an interesting factoid that, like the biotech and bioscience, as like we conceive it today, is only about like forty years old, and so it's it's like it's this incredible incredible thing where like this entire industry, which is it, like makes, there's a huge se- sector in our GDP as a nation, is like only forty years old. Like you think it'd be like more around, but then yep. yeah, it's just like a crazy thing. And then I imagine, imagine when you like one of the benefits of of making a program like this or investing in biotech and biosciences in general is that, like, I imagine the ROI, ROI, like, return on investment, is even better, like, all things being equal because when something goes right, like, you change a life for the better. Mm -hmm. So, like, like you can't really, you can't really put money on that. But, like, that's, like, really important. (laughs) Like, I imagine it is very significant, like, very rewarding for that to happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you look at in our last batch, um, we had I think four or five companies.
0: Mostly, what they're doing
1: is trying to cure cancer, and um, uh, and if if only one of them does it, that would be amazing. Um, and I, I wouldn't even care about the returns in, in the money sense, like you said. Like it's more about, um, it's more about just. Human progress and in techn- technological progress and in um, making you know life better in general.
0: Where where are you like focused? Are you are you in the bio new bio program or like do, you, do is there specializations like do you, you specialize on like like there's like that like twenty five list of things that you guys look for? Is there special specialization within the partners? And if so, do you, what do you specialize in? If that is a thing,
1: there's no specialization. I will say that there are partners who, um, who know more about bio, bio, biotech, life sciences, stuff, than myself. Um, I'm actually more of a, a consumer marketplace tech person just because that's what my previous background was in. Um, and so when it comes to details of running a startup, um, um, I would, most of the founders come from me for that kind of stuff. Um, but, but like in the last batch, Um, I'm a programmer myself, and so I, my, my, um, the that I focused on were DevTools tools related, like security, security management, um, automated compliance, all this kind of stuff. Um, and so I think the nice thing, and, and this is not just YC in general, but I think all these they're very diversified amongst, um, on, on what they fund. But the main, you know, the main, the main help that we give um, is running a business, is talk like how to talk to users, um, setting up milestones and figuring out steps, fundraising, how to explain your business in simple terms, um, stuff like that, like business building, um, which I would extract or I would differentiate from. Um, the product building like uh, the technical expertise uh, needed to build and so when bio founders and biotech founders like I said we have partners who are specialized in this and we also have experts that uh, mentor network in place um, for the technical stuff um, but our expectation is you come to YC already with that expertise like you are the expert in like for example one company did like they're building nanoparticles in cure cancer like you're the expert in that um I'm not necessarily going to know how to you know figure the science piece out with you, but I certainly can help you um, with your business and how you go to market and um, how to fundraise and how to you know like so you have the two or three obstacles you have this week, i can I can help you with that and how to think about that. Um, and so all the partners I think at YC are really good at just talking with founders and brainstorming and just solving problems with them. Oh, and that comes in all forms and shapes and
0: sizes. Basically, comes down to like a, a form of mentorship. Have you ever, have you ever like found someone that was like, "Oh, that kind of reminds me of a miniadora" or something? And you're like, <laughs> "I wish to mentor you," and like mentored that, <laughs> made like a new mini uh, you.
1: <laughs> that would um, no, not yet. But I, I, you know the. We, when we go through interviews, I, I mean, we essentially are doing that in the sense that we're finding people that we really want to work with um, and that we think that we can, in particular, really help. Um, and, yeah, yeah so, so every batch, there's hundreds of founders um, that we work with. And I, I don't think I've found a mini-me. Um, or that, I think that there is a mini-me out there. Um, but I've certainly found people who are sort of working in the sense that, you know... Um, Maybe sort of something like personality and and you know um, how we do work and
0: stuff like that. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. One day, maybe you just need to one day <laughs> one one day. Um yeah. So I was listening to listening and watching the you guys just put out like this startup school thing for investors to kind of like help them in, on like how they think about things. And there was. And this is like something like I'm trying to learn a lot of, but because eventually one day I hope to be an angel investor if I do really well in life. And so, um, there was like this term for when you, like you, you, wanted like this. I wish I could say it so I sounded like I knew what I was talking about, but like you wanted this thing when you invested so that when new rounds came about, you could still invest again so that your your equity wasn't diluted. And so it was stated, Sorry. it was stated a lot. And I was just wondering, like, is there a term for when you want to? Have the ability to invest more, so you get more equity. Because like, I don't like don't, I feel like if the company's going well enough, like to the point where you'd want to invest to keep your equity where it is, like, wouldn't you potentially want to invest more so you can get more of the pie?
1: That's also that is so. That's right. Is like if you get yeah, if you get five percent, you keep your five percent in the next own Um, there are there are also things. Um, is there a way to? there's things like super for out and stuff like that, which gets you even more equity in future rounds. Um, but these are not considered to be, um, founder friendly. Um, what I would say is the way to go about doing it is, is if you're an investor is, um, you know, get, get, the, get the chunk that you can get in the beginning and then just work and like work for the, work for the founder or work for the team. Um, and the founder, if they're good, if they're nice, um, which hopefully you would only invest in, I guess, nice founders um, would reward you in the future with either advisory equity, um, which means that you just do a whole lot more work than anybody else than any of other investors, and you can get extra equity that way for doing sweat like sweat work. Um, or in general, like you're able to get more of the round in future rounds. Um, and I haven't, I think. I think almost all founders are open to that. Like, uh, if an investor, just did so much for you. Um, you obviously want to leave open somehow in the future.
0: Okay, that's good to know. I was, I was just kind of curious because, like, the uh, the pro rata rights—if I'm saying it right—they it was, it was referenced a lot, and I was just thinking, like, if it was going well, wouldn't you want more? Like, well, like, why would you just want to maintain? <laughs> so, so uh, another. This is like one some of those like weird questions I have that I couldn't figure out what, so, when when an investor has, like, let's say they have, like, 10% of whatever amount of money they have to invest in people, what do they do with the remaining 90%, like, do they just put in, like, a CD or something, like, I imagine there's just, like, a lot of floating money somewhere, like, what do they do with excess capital, like, if that makes sense, I was just, like,
1: Oh, uh, you mean personal, like, um, like, angel investors who have personal wealth, they put 10% in startups, and then, what do they do with the other
0: 90%? Yeah, uh, personal and then like venture capital things. And, like it was just, I was curious because some people say that they, like when they invest, they are, they're also concerned that like if there's more, like for the pro rata rights, that they, if they want to keep the percentage the way that it is, like they'd have to put more in or something like that. So then you have to make sure that you have the money around to float into it. So then I just wonder like, what do you do with the money while it's floating? Do you just like put it in a bank? Like maybe that's just like, hey. a weird, yeah. Does that make sense?
1: That's, yeah, I think that's yeah, that makes sense. Um, I I actually I think it's a personal preference thing. I, I don't I don't know what others do. Um, I think a lot of people try to diversify. Um, so so I, I for for um, for personal money, I think a lot of like I said, a lot of people just diversify like stocks. Like people are doing. Never and cross cryptocurrency crypto as well as today, um, as well as startups. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think it's just a personal preference and you your risk, risk preference on where you put that money.
0: Thank you for joining us today with Learning with Lowell. I am your host, Lowell Thompson. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. We can be found on Twitter at Lowell Was here, Facebook, and on the website, learningwithlowell.com. Also sign up for the newsletter where you can hear amazing content every Monday new episodes every Tuesday, and new blog posts around every Thursday. Remember to share and tell your friends, please and thank you.